This is the Bench Warmers Podcast, the greatest f***ing podcast on the planet. Very welcome to the Bench Warmers Podcast. It's Aidan O'Sullivan here and Rowan Mean. How are you doing, Rowan? Very good. Good. We're going to kick it straight off with soccer and we're going to first start talking about Leicester 4, Swansea nil. Did you see that result coming or did you fancy Swansea to get something from that game? No, I'll be honest. I got sucked into the Jamie Redknapp Thierry Henry notion that the Norves had hit Leicester, which obviously, looking at the result, happened once I've seen that since Christmas, so it's all it's right. Exactly. So, it's, listen, the Leicester train slows on. What a result, though. Like, after all this awful speculation, will they want to get a result with Oberdy? Riyad Mahrez answered that question very early, early on in the game. They are certainly a team and not a one-man show, so there you have it. Definitely. I mean, like so much credit goes to Leicester. I think they had a, a, a very viable excuse with the Verdi sending off. You know, they could have, if they got a point, no one would have blamed them. But they go and absolutely wallop Swansea, who aren't mathematically certain at all yet of survival. So you would think that there was a game in them. But as you say, this Leicester trade is just chew-chewing along. There's nothing seem to be able to stop it. And you mentioned Mahrez. He gets his Player of the Year award. Richly deserved? Well deserved. Like I only said Joe earlier before we began, it's still hard to believe he was playing second division French football and having come so far in such a short space of time and it's the best way I can describe this Leicester thing, okay, is if they go on to win the Premier League, yeah. it's the equivalent of Kilkenny winning the football in the Ireland. Okay? <laughs> That's the best sort of way I can explain to people that aren't really aware of just how significant this sort of run is because it's 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 a where are you moment. We are going to look back on this. Should they go on next year to do something even crazier win the Champions League or something? You heard it here first. Uh, you never you never know, but this is certainly a where are you moment. And like you said earlier, poor Spurs must be kicking themselves because this was surely their opportunity to clinch it. Definitely, I think for Spurs, um, they have the correct manager in place. Um, all the young players are coming through. Harry Kane is playing absolutely outstanding football, scoring great goals. Everything is aligned for them to win the Premier League. And then this Leicester City side come out of absolutely nowhere and completely spoil the party. Now, right. it's not over yet. You know, um, you know things can happen in football. You know, a day is a long time in, in, in sport. But, you know, the way they're looking at the moment, they seem to be so confident. And, you know, as we said about Spurs, you know, they had such a really, really good season. You know, but to have Leicester just come from out of nowhere to take it, if they do go on and take it, I think a lot of credit to Ranieri as well. What do you think? Ah, oh, massive credit to Ranieri. Obviously, I don't think he probably could have ever envisaged when he took that Leicester job that he'd be in this situation. He might have just think, you know, he's around a long, long time. I thought maybe, I don't know the man, this is all speculation, but he might have thought this is a way for me to wind down. I might get a trophy over the side in the championship and, you know, all well and good, might call it a day. Obviously, they won, got promoted. He said, ah, oh, sure, okay, we'll see what happens next. His, his target all season was just safety, wasn't it? They kept talking about the, the 40-point 40, the 40 mark, is it? Yeah. And then they hit that, and they said, okay, we'll just try and make ourselves a little bit safer. And they got a little bit more, and it kept going, it kept going, and they were top of the league, they weren't shifting, and they're, they're on course to win it. So it's uh, a lot of it comes out of any area. He seems to know his stuff. He obviously knows the players, because, let's be honest, who could have seen Leicester here at this stage of the season other than Randy area, I reckon? Now even Alex Ferguson, the great Alex Ferguson, who's managed so many winning Premier League sides, I think could have even managed to think this could happen. So uh, lots and lots of credit for the area, of course, of course. And Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, as he said, he's finally starting to say we can win this. So he's uh, he's, he's finally sort of dropped the cloak of maybe maybe not. Yeah. And has he has he timed that to perfection? I wonder because it was always about let's get the forty points. It was always about let's not get relegated. It was then it was about let's get into the Champions League places. Yeah. And now he seems to have said okay, now we're now we're running, now we're in the right position. 
Dilly ding, dilly dong, let's go for it, you know? You know, so it's, it's been a masterstroke. Uh, I'd be very surprised if there's not t-shirts with that on it outside the King Power Stadium next weekend. It's going to be the catchphrase of the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, Premier League years, whenever they do the season, it's going to be the, it's going to be the Kevin Keegan, you know, I'd love it if we beat them. That dilly ding, dilly dong, I think, might just haunt Ryan Airy for the rest of his risk his play, or if he's managing for But it is, I suppose, that they're the side that all the all the neutrals want to want to see winning it now, isn't that right? I mean, they've, they've come from nowhere, and I think closer would be thinking, okay, if they can do it, maybe we can do it. Yeah, of course, why not? It's just, it's supposed to show us sport. I've often had the belief that, you know, in any sport, no matter what level, anyone can beat someone on their day. Yeah. No, let's start beating people on their day every week for the summer, nine months now. But uh, it is, it gives great confidence, great hope to people that it just, it goes to show money isn't always the key when it comes to sports, particularly in football, because a lot of people have bought titles in the last decade or so with the big money coming in from, from all over the place. So that's what I like to take most from this, is that, you know, if you are willing to put in the hard work, if you're willing to have a bit of self-belief, confidence, and just keep going for what you believe is your destiny almost at this stage for Leicester, it can be achieved. Now, again, it's rare, but it's going to, it can happen. So. There's definitely a lot of a lot of goods can, and positives can be taken from this whole experience. Let's see if it happens this year. We mentioned um, Mares as the Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, um, Daily Ali. He's just been something else for sports, hasn't he? He's phenomenal. Not only just as a footballer, but as an off-the-pitch character, he's been he's just been uh, never-ending. It's all day, every day with Daily Ali. He's fantastic, and uh, like another example. Where did he come from? Like when I saw him first, I was thinking, ah, oh, Squanny little guy, whatever. He might get a couple of games and be sh shifted off for a month or a year for a loan, or make it so into a smaller club. And another guy, just like Leicester, he's completely just wiped away all the doubts that were maybe cast over his head. And he's unbelievable. He's yeah. he's a fantastic footballer. For, for a guy so young, I mean, he's got he's got the attributes. What age is he? Twenty. He's just twenty. Nineteen twenty. Um, so like he's got all the attributes of a young player in that he's hungry, he wants to learn, he wants to get on, which is great. He has a little bit of devilment in him as well, which will be good. You know, I, I think I think every player needs that as well, especially in the middle of the park. But he has what very few other players have is a sublime touch. And he's got that touch and he fits into any team. And I think he's a really, really rare talent. I think Spurs will do very, very well to hang on to him at such a young age. I know Liverpool were interested in taking him um, and Spurs were interested in taking him when he went to Spurs. So I think he's been a real find for a guy so young to slip in seamlessly into the Spurs team and for the England team as well. I think he's been obviously the find of the season. I think if, if Spurs can hang on to him and a few other players, no matter how the season goes, whether they win or not, I think they'll be in, in, in good form for the championships coming in. Yeah, right, because I, I wonder, okay, if you, let's say, let's say now just in a few weeks' time, league's over, Leicester have won it, Spurs have finished second, both had phenomenal seasons. If I'm Deli Ali, what am I thinking? Do I think, okay, this was a one off at Spurs, do I have a chance of winning it again next year, or do I move on to one of the obvious things, which I, even next year I reckon. Chelsea United, whatever, uh, all the other the normal names would still yeah. be tipped to be the winners. Uh, I think a lot of people, even the bookmakers, would take the season as a one-off. But then again, you never know. So, uh, what, would you, what would you do if you're Belly Ali in your sports? Do you hang on with the idea of maybe doing it next year, or do you try and go somewhere else where possibly it is a better, better option? I think it's vital how they finish the league this year. Yeah. If they finish first, I think all the players. Obviously, they'll have, a, they'll, they'll have a, um, a Premier League medal, and I think all the players will stay with Spurs. Yeah. And they can build on that because the team is young, the manager is hungry, you know, and th there's a lot to be built on. If they finish second, I think perhaps that team may, may not totally break up, but I think a few of the, a few of the big characters may leave. Not, not necessarily so, but may leave. So I think this is a pivotal season for Spurs. They will be, they, they, I'd say they can't believe it where Leicester have come from. Um, they, you know, but this is a pivotal year for Spurs. If they can win the league, I think the manager's happy, the players are happy, they build. If they come second, 
is there a little bit of a breakdown? We don't know. Yeah, time will tell. Time, time will tell. tell. But listen, just like you said, not many people are saying if they win the league, everyone is pretty much just guaranteeing it's Leicester's to win. It's football. There's what, three games left? Not over yet. It's not over yet. Anything can happen. We could be back here in a few weeks saying, my God, what about that turnaround? And all of a sudden, Leicester and they are. Well, they've said themselves, they're happy already. They've got the Champions League spot. And even Ranieri said, should Tottenham finish above us? Congratulations. But he, like, do you believe him? <sighs> not at all. He, you know he wants it. Like, because it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's, some, it's some exciting. Tough, some tough exciting. games coming up. I mean, Spurs have to play Chelsea. I think Leicester have to play Chelsea and Manchester United as well. So, you know. There is a possibility of dropping points there, but it's great. It's fantastic it's, it's for, really, listen, for us, for the neutrals. There's no such thing as an easy game in yeah. the last in the last three. Whether coming up against the team who are top of the league or someone who's fighting for safety, it's never ever easy. Like a perfect example would be West Ham that season at Old Trafford. They had to win. Everyone wrote them off. West Ham had a dire season and it wasn't for Carlos Tevez who was playing for West Ham before he transferred to United. Saved the day and it was one of the strangest scenes ever in football because we had Manchester United celebrate their title success and West Ham celebrating their safety and everyone in the stadium was having a great time. <laughs> Normally it's one of the others, tears and tears and heartbreak and just delight on the other side. So like you said, it's exciting. So roll on, roll on tonight even for the sports game. If they lose tonight, different situation altogether. So as you said, no such thing as an easy game and no such thing as an easy game for Arsenal. Sunderland nil, Arsenal nil. What did you make of that? Oh, I watched the whole game, and you you could tell from the off that this was going to be one of those one of those games. It was just what's happened, to Arsenal. What I'm trying to figure out, you know, it's 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 bizarre because they have the players, they really do. And even I suppose the one positive you can take from that game is Jack Wilshere making an appearance. Um, it was good to see he was in the team. He did his warm ups, and the fans were delighted to see him back. But that's it's sort of sad to think when Arsenal at this stage of the season, their highlight of a game is a player coming back from long term injury. You know, so that's pretty much. Is it the Wenger factor? Is it time for Wenger to go? Is it Arsenal fans are not happy with him? Um, they're 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 trying to get fourth place again, which seems to be the epitome of Arsenal's season now. Yes, business is is, uh, is running like a dream team, maybe not so much. Not so so much, yeah. where, where do you stand on the Arsenal Wenger thing? I like if you if you can move upstairs, possibly, but that sometimes doesn't work well either. You know, like for sort of lingering shadow had a bit of an effect on people away. It wasn't it only for Louis Van Hans experience I think that would have sort of still caused problems for Manchester United. But you can't be a Premier League fan and not have respect for Arsenal. What he's done for that league is he's only the only person who's he's shadowed by or overshadowed by is Alex Ferguson. In itself that's a compliment, you know? So I do think it's time for him to go. It's, I know it's tough, but it is time for change. They've, they've got the so fresh blood, fresh blood, exactly. But I think the next thing is then, obviously, Arsenal having such a big brand worldwide, and Dave Arsenal's connections to France are major and have been major for the whole time he's been there. You're thinking like, where, where do they go next? Because frankly, in regards to vacant managers, there's not that much to, to go for unless all of a sudden Binger gets sacked, and next thing we know, Jose Reno's the Arsenal, which would be the first name put out there, regardless of whether he's actually fit for it or not. But I think it's time for him to go, personally. But having said that, I don't. I, I, I hate to see him go in these circumstances, don't you? It's, when you see how much he's won and stuff, you'd like to see him go at least the community shield or something, something to cling on to. But uh, yeah, it's it's bye bye Arsenal. I think. Yeah, he's he's been obviously he's been an absolute legend at Arsenal. You know, he had the Invincibles, of course, and he's had so many great nights and and. and Great victories for Arsenal, but you know, I think Arsenal fans now, you know, I think there was always a small group of them that think, okay, Arsenal out. I think that has has grown now, and I think there's many more Arsenal um, supporters now think, look, it's it's just time for fresh blood. But he moves upstairs, and that is a very very interesting one. Um, I don't think um, the Arsenal board will sack him. I think it'll be Arsenal Arsenal Wenger's decision himself. Yeah. Uh, but will he will he go? I don't know. We'll be interested to see will he be there again next year. Liverpool 2, Newcastle 2, Rafa, 
Rafa the Max. The Max. <laughs> God. Who was, you know, his name was chanted by both sets of supporters, which was fantastic for Rafa. But Liverpool 2 0 up, Newcastle come back to 2 all. Is this a point that may keep them in the Premier League? I, it's quite possible. They'll take every point they can get at this stage, and that was a major one because you can only imagine if you're in the situation they're in, being two goals on a half time, you're thinking, my God, here we go again. So I'd love to be a fly in the wall for some of Rafa's half time team talks. So I would just <laughs> love it. I'd, I'd be interested to see if he does he flip flip the lid. Yeah. Does he just pick up people individually and have a word? Does he have an? He overall? just tells him facts, 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 facts. That was his famous well, one. He's the king of the comebacks, and that was the soccer headlines because granted, from Liverpool's comeback recently uh, in, the, in the Europa League, yeah. like, people started saying, "No, whatever, you're, this is all done." Yeah. Because frankly, he's, he's a lot stickier situation, but it was a, it was great. I love watching stuff like that. No, as a neutral, it's fantastic when you see what, like, obviously Liverpool are a very good one. Fair play, and I, you know, I almost tipped them to win the Europa League at the stage. But uh, it's just the scenes at Newcastle when this, when this equaliser went in, and, and then Rafa again, as always, barely even batting eyelids, yeah. and they're sort of thinking, like, oh, just show some emotion, I'll show some emotion. <laughs> but uh, it was it was great. It was great to see him. You know, if they survive, it'll be all up to him and fair play. Definitely vital point for Newcastle, vital point for Sunderland, and again, you know, we always you know, we talk about the top of the table, but. You know, the bottom half of the table is always very interesting as well. You know, Norwich are down there, you know, Swansea again getting hammered by less. You know, so there's, I think there's permutations there before the end of the year as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Now, do you, um, you know, do you secede to the romance of the Cup, the FA Cup? Are you interested in that? I am, but I wouldn't be as much as I would have been before. It was, I see, I think the FA Cup sort of glamour has faded a bit over the last over years, mainly because of the fact that English sides have become obsessed with winning the Champions League, yeah. and in doing so, they've sort of taken the, the, the glory away from the FA Cup a bit. But that's me speaking from here. I'm, I'm Irish, you know, it's not like it's it's obviously a different thing if you're British or in the UK. It's like that's the one as a boy you want to win the FA Cup, and then it seems to be FA Cup first, League second, and Champions League, but. I'm just wondering, has that sort of has that swayed or changed all of the years? I think uh, I think the romance of the cup is still there, um, 100%. I think depending on where your club is and what level they're at yeah. and how their manager is doing and how they get on the league, the FA Cup becomes more important. So you know, you take a team like Manchester United, who you know wanted to get out of the FA Cup um, in years gone by, had a very very important victory against Everton, two one. Really, really important for the club. Really, really important for Van Gaal. Yeah, but I'm thinking, okay, how does how does this work? If you're a Manchester United fan, what what are you thinking now? A few months ago, you were adamant get Van Gaal. (laughs) Just get rid of the guy. He's not good for the club. So does that change just because he's won a trophy? Is it a case of okay, we got a trophy, now we can leave, or is it a case of like right, choice? We have to keep him. No, he's after. He's after pulling the cat out of the bag as such. You know, so it's interesting to you know. It's a great point. I mean, you know, people were calling for his head. You know, they wanted Van Gaal gone. Gets a good run in the cup. Gets into a a cup final, a Wembley final, which is a great day out for the supporters. You know, it's a great day for the club. Does that change? I think for some people maybe it will. I think for a lot of people it probably won't. And I think they'll want to see Van Gaal out the door, whether he wins or not. I think the FA Cup final is a great day out and it's a great swan song for him. You know, he'll finish. Maybe if they win the trophy, he'll be. You know, Van Gaal has won a trophy with every club he's ever managed. Exactly. And maybe he he's going to keep that on with Manchester United. The thing is though, the day that they win the trophy, will it be his last day in charge? You know, we that, don't know. It's true. But see, you're right. I think Van Gaal is a very proud man, and he didn't want to ever have his name sort of dragged through the mud of it and tarnished. He didn't want to leave a club in circumstances, and in doing so, he became very stubborn and he became short and sort of snappy with the press and everything, and he was ignoring people and just 
which to his credit at this stage is looking to pay off now again just to the day and be to come and just like any relegation battle the FA Cup final day can be yeah. as random as any other sports day so it'll be interesting to see so Crystal Palace obviously realised they've got a big big opportunity here to make a name for themselves and especially against Manchester United regardless of how well they're going in the Premier League they're always a team you want to beat so uh, it's another uh, another exciting prospect. I'm actually I'm actually getting butterflies here thinking of all the all the stuff that's coming up in the coming months. You know, this is my favourite time of year. So bring it on. It is. It is. And you know the, the United um, Everton game. It was such a funny game. I think Everton really didn't perform in the first half. Played much much better in the second half. But we have to mention Martial because he was absolutely sublime, particularly in the first half. And I think the reason why they paid all the money for him is because he's a guy that can take on defenders. And he's a guy who's fearless um, when running at. He's got the skills, he's got the pace. Uh, he set up the goal for Fellaini. What do you make of Martial? What a waste of money. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, that's the thing. That was the headline of the sun. And my God, he's coming. He's coming just another guy who just shut up his... Listen, that goal, okay? I'm sorry, but he's, another, he's a kid. He's, what, 20 as well? Just, just very young. And to have the sort of the composure and just the, the ability and the belief in yourself that at that stage in the game, they can all make just smash it, throw, just hit the target, hit the target, hit the target. He had this sort of the, the way of the way of all, just he just slid it in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're thinking like, oh, if I was in that sixth circumstance, I'm a smasher, I would have probably hit the corner flag at that stage. <laughs> so it's um he's certainly a very, very, very good sign for Manchester United, I think. Because like you said, he has all the signs of becoming a world class striker. Granted, he's young, he's a lot to learn, but he's in the right place to do it, one of the best clubs in the world, so it's, um, it's exciting times for Manchester United. You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more sports and banter. Benchwarmers, get closer to the action. What about Rooney in the midfield berth, playing in that number 10? I thought particularly first half he was outstanding. Could he start there for England? I think he might. I think you're mad to not start Kane and Verdi on top of your line, Hudson. I do. I understand when he's the captain and all that, but he's he's gotten to a stage where he's he's not the striker he used to be. But the one thing Wayne Rooney has never lost in his career is his ability to pass the ball 50 yards from one toe to the next. And it's he's a great passer of the ball, and that's what you want in the number 10. Being a striker before, he obviously understands what the lads will be thinking. He knows what holes he want to get into, how to sort of get onto, defend on his, on his heels as such. And his brain will just operate things better there. But um, for United, I felt he looked comfortable there. Like he's played it before, so it's first time seeing our first time seeing Wayne Rooney in that position. But um, I think the combination of Rooney in the ten and Rashford and Martial at the top for United could be a nice little sort of. Yeah, I think I think it's the form of, of, of Martial and Rashford which has kind of pushed Wayne Rooney back into that midfield work. But I think if he's happy to play there and you know he he contributes. Um, and he, you know, he defensively he was very good. He cleared one ball off the line as well, so he can get about the pitch. And you just say he's got the footballing brain to be able to spray passes around. So I think it could be, you know, maybe a new kind of way Rooney that we're seeing, where the pressure is not on him to score all the goals, and he can set up young guys like Martial and Rashford. So very, very interesting for Rooney. Again, De Gea, you know, it's so vital that Manchester United hang on to De Gea. Will he stay or will he go to Real in the, in the summer? That is a question I've asked myself. Vital question for United. Numerous times since the whole debacle with the fax machine. But uh, it's uh, a. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, if you're. David Ayer seems content at Manchester United, and maybe what happened the last time is. I don't know. Is, is, would that be enough for him to start to think, oh, you know, if Madrid really want me if there's something as stupid as that happening to prevent me from signing? But again, the other factor is, that, is this. He's Spanish. He's a Spanish goalkeeper. And it's almost customary that you need to be the Real Madrid number one to be the Spanish number one. No, I'm not saying he loses position for not going, but it's it's just the thing, you know. I play for the biggest team in Spain, like I don't know, depending on Barcelona, it's all, it's all into opinion. 
But um, he, yeah, I, I'd love to see the hay stay in the Premier League. But I'd say Polly is getting a bit sick of the idea that I'm the guy saving us here every day, every week, and also because he's, yeah. he's, he's like a cat. He's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, he's brilliant. So yes, it's it's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. I prefer I prefer to see him stay. But granted, the way he is and the way he would have brought up in football, I think the trip to Madrid is sort of a habit. It has to happen. Really. It has to happen. I suppose maybe so. And the thing is, does it happen this year or does it happen next year? And if a new manager comes in, you know, does does the dynamic change? And, and then the beauty of it is, think about it. Goalkeepers these days, he's what mid twenties. He can play along to his forties. Gigi Buffon is like a funny one. He shows no signs of letting up. So yeah. just because he doesn't go in the next couple of years doesn't mean he can't go to Madrid. He can still be spend five years in Manchester and still have a decade in Madrid. If you know, if he takes care of himself and if God, if he doesn't have any injuries, so. Yeah. It's uh, one, of the, one of the perks of being a goalkeeper, you get them for your extra years. And uh, just a quick word on Palace as well, as you, as you, um, as you mentioned, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a fairy tale into the season for them if they can stay up and get an FA Cup final. And I think a lot of that has to go down to, to Pardew really, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, you got it. It's, it's, I always giggle when I think of Alan Pardew because he's the head off my, my sister's father-in-law, yeah? Right. But uh, yeah, it's just like, another, Alan Pardew is another guy where he knows how to get jobs done. Now, if he manages to go and win the FA Cup this year again, it would just be great to see him with a, with a trophy in the sand. Because I actually can't remember, has he ever won a major trophy as a manager? Um, I know, he, well, he did. The last time that Manchester United um, played Crystal Palace was back in 1990, and I think uh, Pardew was actually involved in that. Oh, yeah? The three-all draw in the first game, and then United win the replay 1-0, I think. Now, as a manager, has he won anything? I'm not sure, but... Uh, it'd, be, it'd be good to see it. Like, great, like I say, as neutrals, it's, 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 it's a win-win situation. If United win, it sort of puts the ice on top of the Van Hal's story. Oh, he was, he was crap all season, but here he's won the, won the biggest trophies in England. And then you have the Paraguay side of things, which is always nice to see an underdog succeed, especially at Wembley. So it's. Um, I think I think United will be favourites, but oh, of course, uh, anything can exactly. happen in Cup Final day. Anything can happen. You know, you could be losing 4-0 on the day, probably not. Like it's, they've it's, got it's, some good players. You know, they've got Balassi, they've got Wickham, they've got Zaha. They've got some good players that can trouble United. Yeah, it's another example of you know players just gelling and coming together as a team and just having a common goal and working towards it. Because again, no sort of individuals. If you could point an individual with Zaha, but that's just a bit of his mindset. And I think he will be definitely out there to make a point against Manchester United. He, he brought me on board, I wasn't good enough, well, here I am now and I'm going to score two goals against you and lose, lose the FA Cup for you. So if he's not up for that game, no one will be. Oh, exactly, exactly. So again, another little sort of underlying story that will add more um, fuel to the fire, we say. You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast. Chat shit, get banged. Yeah, excellent. So we've touched on the Premier League, we've touched on the romance of the Cup. What about the Champions League? Manchester City against Real Madrid. Big game for City. Big, Can big they game. overcome? Uh, well, rumour has it Ronaldo is going to be unfit. Is it mind games? Is it fact? We don't know because he has been carrying a few knocks. And if, I'm not sure if you've actually seen the new Ronaldo movie. It shows that like, he is willing to, he says it out loud, I'm going to walk through the pain. He said, why would I be here in the first place if I'm not willing to play out a bit of pain? So I think he will play, unless you know he's something seriously wrong that we're not aware of. But, um, Man City are doing well, you know, I think Pellegrini is a bit of a man on a mission, he's similar to sort of Van Hel, he thinks his days are numbered and he's going to want to go out in the most spectacular fashion as possible and there will be nothing funnier I think than Pellegrini winning the Champions League when, <laughs> when Pep Guardiola has been brought in he's just for that job. Hand over the trophy as well as he's going out the door to Pep. There you go, just stick on the cap in the snow, cue to the black, you know, it's, it'll be funny. So uh, it's a, uh, it's, 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 it's it's a good fixture because basically Madrid can be a bit dodgy at the back and City sort of aren't really great at the moment but equally both teams are phenomenal going forward. Yeah. 
So it could be a four-all aggregate goal fest, it could be a nil-all stalemate, I don't know. But um, if I had to pick a team overall, I'd say Madrid would pick it, because solely just because of Ronaldo factor. It's a great fixture, I think uh, they say Toure has a thigh injury, which may rule him out. Um, they had a good win against Stoke for but you know, it's all about Aguero, I think, and that back four of Madrid, who love to attack Sergio Ramos, Pepe, yeah. you know, but when they've got Aguero running at them, can he create problems? De Bruyne coming in as well, you know, you know these guys are, and they are on a mission, and Pellegrini is 100% on a mission. He knows he's out the door, this is what Pellegrini wants, you know, he wants to get the Champions League before he, before he leaves. Ronaldo, are they playing mind games with him? He will play, I've no doubt about that. Benzema, they say, is unfit as well. Don't be surprised if he plays as well. So it's going to be a great, great tie. Atletico against Bayern, what about that one? That is an... have to fancy Bayern, would you? You have to fancy Bayern because Bayern are just, you know, they're, they're that team and they've sort of Champions League sussed out at this stage. <clears throat> but Atletico Madrid, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you can't beat them at home. <laughs> that's, that's it, you just can't. You got to, like, they're all just unbelievable at home, and even when they're like when they're playing against Barcelona, if you can pull off a win like that against Barcelona in the Champions League, you have to be taken really seriously. And I think Pep Guardiola would be aware of that because he understands exactly what it takes to beat Barcelona yeah. firsthand from being the manager. So I'm not sure if anything will change tactically, but it'll be another brilliant sort of battle between the two teams. And overall, no matter what way the outcome is from the two semi-finals, we're in for an absolute belter of a Champions League final this year. Which is great, and um, it's if I had to pick a team between Bayern and Atletico, I'm going to go up there and say Atletico. I think Atletico yeah. will pick it. I'm going to go for over a, two legs. I'm going to go for an all Madrid final actually. So that's 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 my work because uh, there's a bit of unfinished business there too. Like so, it'd, it'd be it'd be great to see again. It would be great, and would be really great as well to see um, Pellegrini against Pep in the final of Manchester City qualified yeah. against. I didn't, I didn't against think of that. Bayern, right. you know? <laughs> so yeah, okay. If I, it's either going to, I prefer Real Madrid or a, a Bayern City final yeah, because yeah, be it'd be great. Let's touch on um, Liverpool as well on the Thursday night um, Europa League against Villarreal. Obviously, brilliant result against Dortmund. Villarreal, you know, they'll be a tough opponent as well, won't they? Yeah, yeah. listen, we're at the stage of the season where, like I said, there's no easy games. But I think Jurgen Klopp has his side at the right. He has the team I feel he wants for now, as, in, as opposed to long term. He has got the mindset instilled in his players. He's basically, he's got great, he's got a good bit of European experience. But Villarreal, see, it's, it's all some of the Spanish teams, but they're always sticky. Some, they're not really great away from home, but when we play them at home, they're really, really hard. But Liverpool clearly, obviously, have the ability to come back from, from being goals down, and they have the will and the belief also, like there's several other teams we just touched on. So um, I'd have to fancy Liverpool. I think they're going to go the whole way, personally. So do I. So um, I, th I think their name is on the trophy. It would be great because, as much as like, I, I just love Jurgen Klopp as a manager and as a man, he's he's yeah. just he's, he's just fantastic. So I'd love to see him get a trophy in his first major season. So uh, is it first season or season? Yeah, season. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it'd be uh, it'd be great, and it'd be good for Liverpool also because you know, they deserve a bit of silver after all the stuff they've been going through recently and all the slip up that they lead a few years back and everything. So it'd be good to see a bit of silver back in Anfield. For all the best sports and banter, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Benchwarmers, get closer to the action. And just let's just touch on the rugby, um, the Champions League semi-finals, Saracens beating Wasps, and uh, Racing 92 beating Leicester Tigers. So there's going to be a new name on the trophy this year. Um, neither side have won it before. I think Saracens were really, really good against Wasps. Owen Farrell was very, very good, and uh, Maro Etoje, who's uh, this second row monster um, with all the skills of the game he's a young player it's going to be Saracen's second final in three years and it's really won the semi-final on their defence and they were absolutely fantastic in defence and their scrum was brilliant as well looking at the other game Racing 92 
Um, you know, it's all about the half-back pairing for them. Mashino and Carter, you know, Dan Carter from, mm -hmm. from the All Blacks uh, comes over to France to play in this competition and then gets to the final of it, you know. And uh, not only did was Carter fantastic, obviously his, his, his kicking was brilliant, but his defence was outstanding as well. And, you know, Carter coupled with Mashino at half-back, you know, they really drove that side on. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a very, very good final. I think it's a, it's going to be an attritional final yeah. because that's the way both teams play, particularly Saracens. That's, you know, that's going to be something to look forward to as well. Well, it just goes to show, okay, having a guy like Dan Carter on any team, if he, if he it took Dan Carter out of his rugby side and all of a sudden made him a footballer, he'd have a major effect on that team. If he made him a golfer, he'd be a major effect on whatever, if he's in a Ryder Cup team. He's just the bomb sort of, it's not a leader, but he just, he knows how to get the job done, and he does, and there's a reason for it, and that's why he's one of the best players in the world. And if he was to win, I think it'd be great, personally, it'd be because I just like the guy as, as an athlete, as a person, the whole lot. But as you said, if there is a new name on the trophy, um, like who do, who do you fancy? Because obviously, there's going to be who's, who's the underdog in this. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be a very very close game. I think it all it all comes down to I think if Carter plays well. I think Racing win it for me. But Saracens, um, you know, they're well coached and they've got internationals peppered all over the place. So they will obviously come up with a game plan to, to, to counteract that. So it's going to be a very, very good Champions um, Cup final and uh, something we're really looking forward to. If you have to put your hose on it, who would you go for? I'll go with Racing. Yeah. If, if Carter performs, you know, if, if, if they don't nullify him um, and, and Mash, you know, if they perform, if they play well, you know, they keep that back line. Taking Carter kicks goals for fun with his eyes closed all day long. You know, so Saracens, if they give away any pens, Carter will kick them from anywhere on the Pitch and Machino drives that pack on. So um, Saracens are good as well. Owen Farrell is a very, very good player. So, you know, it's going to be close, but for me, it's got to be Rassi. You're listening to the Benchwarmers podcast. Stay tuned for more sports and banter. Benchwarmers, get closer to the action. So before we finish up, UFC 200, lots to talk about it. I want to get your view on it. Conor McGregor, Where what do you get? think? My God. <laughs> so we'll be speaking to Sean from Severe in a bit later on, but then. Uh, what a roller coaster we've been on in the last week. My God. I never when the first tweet came out saying I know retired. Like, yeah. Okay. He's acting he's acting the box, you know, he's he's winding people up because he, he can't be a bit of a piss take up McGregor. Then obviously as it started to a bit of meat started to come on to it and you're thinking, right, maybe this isn't the case. And then I spent three hours here in the office waiting for some sort of reply from either McGregor or Dana White from the UFC. Yeah. And then here we go, he's on Sports um was it sport not sports Illustrated, he's on um, Sports Centre on ESPN. And he said, uh, Conor McGregor has been pulled from UFC 200 fight cards, and I'm going, what's going on? So it's just mental. Now, obviously, he's come out and said that he's back on the card, but apparently, the end of the way, said, no, he's not. So it's 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 a, it's a roller coaster. But having read his statement, he has he has got a point. Really, you can you can understand where he's coming from. But there wasn't there wasn't there was a one wasn't any really one thing in that statement that stopped me. And he go, ah, no, he's he's been a bit of a shit. I know, you know he's, I I take a side on it, and apparently, a few other fighters in the UFC have taken the side and it's all it's um it's bad news for us. Everyone wants to see Conor McGregor on the fight cards. Nate Diaz wants to see Conor McGregor on the fight cards. So now it's a case of if he's not, what happens next and who replaces him? Is there a replacement? Is there a different fight altogether? Because Diaz said he wants he's going on vacation if he doesn't show up. Yeah. So um it has been a bit of a soap opera as the world is going around, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 just been Unfortunate, I think, really, from from McGregor's preparations point of view, for the UFC's preparations point of view, for what's such a massive event for them. And even though it's a, it's an untitled fight, it's probably the biggest fight out there, really, because people want to see McGregor and Diaz go at it again. And it's been a nightmare for Dana White. I think he's just, uh, I, I think, Several yeah, you know, he did, just can't get over this. I think, you know, he's, he can come so far, but maybe perhaps he can't go the whole way. 
But then for the UFC to evolve and to get better, does he need to maybe make concessions? If he makes concessions to McGregor, does he then have to make concessions to other people? Does McGregor transcend the sport enough that he can make those? So there's so many permutations to it. Uh, you know, Dana White is in a very, very difficult position. The whole world wants to see McGregor fight in UFC 200. If he doesn't, the shine is taken off that card. That's the way it is. Yeah, definitely. Like, there are still a few good, few good fights on it, but yeah. Let's be honest, as soon as McGregor got, got tapped out, we said, that time in the, in the last UFC, was it 186? He basically set the ball in motion for the world wanted to see McGregor come back. And that's the reason this fight is the, the main event, it's the reason the whole world is eager to see what happens, because they want to see the notorious, the, the, you know, he says he owns this game and he wants to see him own it again. And no, that's gone again, so we're not, get, we're not going to get a comeback sort of revenge plot, we're not going to... Get any of that so you're right the shine has been taken off massively unless they somehow managed to squeeze him back on mcgregor has said openly he hasn't stopped training for ufc 200 he's still working hard at it that was the reasons he didn't want to meet his media obligations last week in vegas because he figured it would upset his training regime which is understandable you can, you can get that and um, so it's I, I don't know what way to look at it like it's 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 tough because basically mcgregor obviously wants to fight you can see that he does want to fight but at the same time mcgregor's will to fight is just as strong as his will to make money so does, does Dana White make concessions for McGregor or does he completely overhaul the sort of pay structure for the whole UFC because once McGregor starts to get paid for sort of special little jobs then they're all going to want to get paid for special little jobs which is only fair in the, in the, in the working world and so I, you tell me because I, I don't know I, I, I want to see McGregor fight 90 years again but I don't want to wait another 9 months. That's what it is. I'd rather have to only wait nine more weeks, you know. I think uh, I think I'll have to give Dana White a ring there after this podcast and just tell him just you know get just get it done. Well, we don't have Dana White, but uh, we do have Sean on the line from Severa MMA. Hi, Sean. How are you getting on with Aiden here? Hi, Aiden. Good, good. Listen, we'll we kick straight into it, and uh, I'd like to get your th- your thoughts, Sean, on. I suppose the whole Conor McGregor affair, as it is now. I mean, is he in? Is he out? What's happening? What, what's your thoughts on it? Well, as of now, the latest thing that's happened is Dana White just came out, the, obviously the UFC president Dana White just came out in the last few minutes and said that Conor McGregor isn't on UFC 200 and that obviously uh, people know, probably know already by now that Conor McGregor put out a tweet this morning saying that he was back on UFC 200 and thank Dana White and thank Lorenzo Fertitta, the CEO of the UFC, for putting him back on the cards with me guess. But as I said, Dana says now, that uh, he's not back on it, so I don't know if that's the end of the story, but it kind of sounds like it. So we'll see after that. But it, it's been a, you know, it's been a, a bit of a soap opera up until today. It, it was kind of I was looking at it, a lot of people. I think we're looking at it was uh, as like a, stri- a fighter striving to get better deals, fighter striving to get you know better conditions, and I think a few fighters are actually coming in behind Conor McGregor saying, you know, this is a good thing that they need better conditions. And the UFC need to treat him better, need to pay him better. But I think today was kind of just, it turned into that soap opera more than I can see. And there was kind of a lot of people saying that, oh, was this put on and stuff. And I, I don't think, it really obviously wasn't put on uh, um, by, by either side. But today, you know, Conor McGregor's tweet saying that, you know, kind of just playing with people really. I think it was when I say a step too far, a step too far in, you know, in the soap opera, not a step too far, you know, it wasn't terrible or anything, but it was just, you know, it was kind of making too much of a game out of it, I think, this morning. So, look, it looks like it's come to a bit of an end now. Something, you know, we'll have to give in the next in the next couple of days, either way. Um, but I think, you know, if I, if I was looking at it now, I don't think I'm going to be on UFC doing it, you know, unless there's an injury, unless something big happens in the situation. 
and um, and they didn't let him fight. But eventually, he ended up fighting because of his injuries and stuff, but in a different way. So, uh, same thing happened, similar thing with Randy Couture. There was big, you know, um, big fights there with Dana White and Randy Couture. Same with TRTs, you know, it happened plenty of times down through the years. And, you know, Conor McGregor is just the longest list, the longest, uh, uh, you know, on the longest, of, uh, the list on the longest, sorry, of, of casualties. But, you know, something like, something like this is kind of bound to happen. It, it, can, it can only go so good for so long when you're kind of too bold like that. Conor McGregor wants to do the best for Conor McGregor. Dana White wants to do the best for himself and the UFC. So, you know, it's kind of always going to happen. But for Dana White now, he's in a position where he has to kind of stick to his guns for his own kind of sanity and for the for UFC's own, you know, for what they are, what they what they always try to stand for. Even though you know they haven't backed up on that plenty of times, especially lately with you know the days of a lot of rules. Um, so the heaviest fight at the headline card and the title fight at the headline over everything else and stuff. They've changed that, so maybe they could change this. But I don't know. I think it might be a little bit of a you know step too far. The UFC's brand and their their mo kind of has always been over the last few years that you know they go for the brands it's the brands they push rather than the fighters that can change a little bit but it's you know it's still there it's kind of we hear soccer teams saying and after that there's no one bigger than the club and I think the same goes for the UFC uh, for them that there's no one bigger than the UFC but does does McGregor have a point on this in that as he said himself he's He's paid to fight. He's not yet paid to promote. Does McGregor have a point here in that this is really going to impact on his preparation? As he said, he's fighting a bigger guy, a heavier guy, a guy with a longer reach, and he needs that extra preparation to get ready for the fight. And what he feels is that the UFC are now impinging him on that preparation. So does McGregor have a point? Do you kind of sympathize with McGregor on this side? A hundred percent. I think anyone who thinks about it, and the fighters themselves as well, should you should definitely uh, sympathise with McGregor. He definitely has a point about it, and especially considering how much or how much uh, you know stuff he has done for the UFC over the last year. Like he has, he has gone to press conferences all over the world. You know, he's done things on social media. He's done interviews where where half the half percent of the people in the UFC have not to do. So you know. Everyone, as you said there, he's been paid yes for us, and I think he wants to get paid for it. And I think people should be getting paid for this. If, if you want to fly someone, you know, halfway around the world to get them to go to a press conference to promote the event, even if they're fighting it, they should be getting paid for us. Like, why would you do that for free? Um, and I think that's right. That Conor McGregor is fighting for that. And I think, you know, it's funny because people talk so, so often about a fighter's union and stuff, and... This is kind of a reason why it'll never happen because all the fighters, a lot of fighters came out and were on Conor McGregor's side, more than actually, usual actually, but I'd say probably 90% of the fighters were kind of, but we all have to do this, fighters and Conor McGregor have to do this, uh, and things like that. And when they should be kind of saying, yeah, maybe Conor McGregor's right, maybe when I, you know, when I have to fly to Dalton, Alabama to do a press conference, why, why shouldn't I be getting paid for my services when I'm doing that? But, uh, you know, people, uh, people kind of just don't think that way, but Conor McGregor thinks that way, and that's why he's, you know, that's why he's always been getting the big bucks and been getting into uh, places where other people haven't been getting maybe, but, yeah, he, he definitely has a point. John Cavanagh, I think, came out uh, today and he had an article somewhere and he said that they had set out a plan um, for training in Iceland, or sorry, in, in Spain, I think, or in Portugal, sorry, and then over to Iceland uh, for for a couple of weeks. And that, you know, it was a detailed plan. Obviously, as you said, they're, they're moving moving up in ways. And last time the weights 
didn't go so well, so maybe they wanted to do it at a slower kind of pace this time, and maybe that's why they went out there to do it. And you know, as you say, that then just hugely on, on the preparation for the fight. Like that's one of the main reasons why he lost the last fight, or what, yeah, at least why he got tired doing it. So you know, if, if it was the same again this fight, uh, it, it, it's you're you're uh, you know you're up uh, up a certain creek without a paddle. So you know. I think you can definitely sympathise with Conor McGregor. I think he he tried to walk around it. He said he'd come to the press conference in in uh, New York. He's, you know, he said that he wasn't doing he wasn't that he wasn't doing any press. It's just he didn't want to do that certain press conference when it, you know when it was in the middle of an important time frame in camp. So, but I, I think uh, we're at a stage now where things are, haven't yet changed for for fighters and. You know, hopefully they will change in the next few years, but they, I think they kind of they definitely need to change. So has has Dana White, in in essence, kind of created a monster with uh, McGregor in that he's such a big star within the UFC now, and that he actually transcends the sport and he's made the sport more global. He's made much more money for the sport, and um, that can never be imagined uh, through his name. So is is Dana White in a really really difficult position whereby he maybe has to placate McGregor on this? Can you see a way back from McGregor? Yeah, well, I actually think Conor McGregor is crazy much more than Dana White is actually crazy because Dana White, every fighter that comes under his brand, he tries to do this with, and no one's really succeeded before until Conor McGregor. So, you know, if you look at it that way, it's Conor McGregor that's actually killed it. But Dana White controlling it, you know, this this he's tried to control it. And when I say apply, it might sound bad, like, but that's just their, as I said, it's just their MO. Like, they, when Conor McGregor showed up for a press conference, before the Rafael Dos Anjos fight, which was, uh, you know, uh, obviously Dos Anjos got injured, but it was supposed to be a, a, a super fight between two champions. Conor McGregor showed up and the UFC didn't have his belt there. They didn't have Conor McGregor with his belt on the poster. You know, they had him as a challenger. And so, you know, ever ever since that, that day, I think people kind of realized that the UFC realized that Conor McGregor is kind of a monster and, as you say, has transcended the sport. And that, you know, they, they need to, him to follow their MO, saying kind of staying under the band. We had uh, Jeremy Baller over in, over in America there reporting that, you know, Conor McGregor has his sights set on starting his own promotion down the line, maybe, you know, getting away from UFC, doing kind of a, a fight member thing. But I don't know how true that is. I don't know, you know, it might just be a pipe dream. But things like that don't come out if there's a little bit of truth to them or a little bit of thought put into it. So, you know, there's a lot of these things. Conor McGregor, you know, he's very different from anyone that's ever come before. You know, okay, you've got like Dr. Bell, Brock Lesnar, Tito Ortiz and things, they're all big. But they all kind of, you know, they built over a long time. Brock Lesnar obviously came from the WWE and he was a wrestler before and he had a, you know, he had a big name. Um, but Conor McGregor kind of shot up from nowhere. It's, still, you know, it's only like just over three years since he made his UFC debut. And he's, to think he spent almost the whole year out with a knee injury as well. And he is to where he is today. You know, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to curtail things like that, even if they wanted that in the UFC. So, you know, I think the, the McGregor, uh, the McGregor wagon, like the McGregor wagon is going to keep rolling on for another while anyway, especially if he can get into another big fight sometime soon. So let's say, Sean, that McGregor does his media obligations. Let's say that Dana White lets him back into UFC 200. If he does, how do you see that fight going with Nate, with Nate Diaz, which is going to be a super fight now with all the hype? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it'll happen, but if it was happening down the line or something, I think it's a very similar fight to the last time. Um, 
I run a big breakdown for that fight the last time and I, I run in it that McGregor on the feet was going to win the fight and if it went to the floor or if Diaz got him close and he took him down then he's a huge chance so like I always gave Diaz a chance people kind of roll him off in the last fight and people kind of write me McGregor off in this fight but I think that's wrong too I think both of them have, you know last time I, I, I said it was like maybe a 70-30 for McGregor but there's 30% in MMA is kind of a big chance this time I'd say it was maybe 55-45 towards McGregor. I still think McGregor will win, but I still think Diaz has a huge chance. Like that last fight will definitely help him. He'll be more confident of taking McGregor's shots. He'll have a better, uh, you know, he'll have a full camp this time for the fight, and you know, I think it'll be a little bit closer. But I think I do think McGregor made a lot of mistakes in, in that last fight. You know, he fought Diaz's fight really. He stood in the back of him and he traded with his hands. McGregor's this when he stands at range. You know, when he fires in, he's he's flying kicks, when he kicks to the body, kicks to the head, kicks to the legs. He wasn't doing any of that in the first fight. He was just throwing big overhand lifts. He was, you know, the odd jab. And that, that isn't good enough against Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz knows how to roll with the punches. He knows how to take them, you know, and, and he did take them. And McGregor tired out, and obviously we know the rest of history. We saw what happened. Um, but I think he, if, he, if he has learned from those, those mistakes, he can definitely win the fight. But if he goes in the same way... As he did last time, he'll definitely lose the fight. And there's also, if Diaz, even if McGregor's unbelievably well prepared, if he does everything right, he can still lose that fight. Because Diaz is a way, if he can get the clinch, if he can get the takedown, he, you know, he can submit anybody in the world, not just Conor McGregor. And he showed that the last time. I suppose uh, to touch on some fights that definitely are happening in UFC 200 rather than a fight that may or may not happen. What about Misha Tate against Amanda Nunes? Um, I think the whole world would have liked to have seen maybe a rematch with Holly or even perhaps a super fight with Ronda Rousey. How do you see the Tate fight going? Yeah, I think that fight can heavily favors Tate. Nunes is kind of, a, I think she's a similar type of fighter to Tate in that she's dogged and, you know, she's very high output. She keeps going all day. Uh, good jiu-jitsu, good, you know, good wrestling, good takedowns. I think Tate's boxing is a little bit better. I think Tate's actually a little bit better all the way, all, you know, everywhere, except for maybe the jiu-jitsu. But, um, yeah, I'd favor, I'd favor Tate in that one. Although you can never rule out Nunez. She's shown, you know, in her last couple of fights, maybe, you know, she wasn't favored for some of them and she still, you know, she still came true. Um, you know, it's very hard to tell sometimes with, with women that are made because over five rounds, you you know, you, you don't often see them over five rounds. So, like, could Nunez come in there and, you know, have unbelievable cardio when she comes into the fourth and fifth round? We don't really know because we've never seen her do that. So, you know, it's difficult to tell. But looking at it now, I think, <coughs> I think she has, Boxing has improved so much over the last few years, and our takedown is very good. Um, so I can't see Nunes really getting out to the floor, you know, much maybe maybe once in the fight or something like that. But I can't see her doing it, you know, for five full rounds. So I mean, she did that, you know, on the feet with her boxing. She's a very, you know, her power has improved an awful lot as well recently. I think uh, I think she can definitely get to Nunes. I think she can probably get the finish even. And another big one as well that, that we're all looking forward to is uh, Jose Aldo against Frankie Edgar. That's going to be a really interesting fight. What about that one, Sean? Yeah, it is. It's obviously a rematch of a fight from a few years ago where, where Aldo won. Um, it, it's a very different fight now, though. I think this is probably the best Frankie Edgar we've ever seen. Put in, uh, you know, put in a lot of work over the last few years and has improved a lot. lot. That first fight with Jose Aldo was his first fight at Federal. So, you, obviously, you know, obviously when, when guys drop down with 
you might have a little problem the first couple of times maybe making it, but he's well used to that now, so that's going to make him even better. Plus, he's all wins over the likes of Cubs Swanson, uh, Charles Oliveira, and, and more, um, you know, which which have just made him all the better. Uh, and obviously, Chad Minden is well a big knockout last time. Whereas Jose Aldo, okay, he had a few wins, but he, you know, he had a big injury. Um, big injuries coming into the Conor McGregor fight, you know, just that fight was obviously cut off, and then he fought McGregor, and obviously got up, you know, he got knocked out in 13 seconds. So this is his first fight, but a fight back since that. So it's difficult to know how he's going to look. He's taking a good bit of time off, which is which is good. I think he's going to be maybe eight months between McGregor fighting this fight. So that's, you know, that's a good bit of time off. A lot of guys tend to come back too early after big knockouts like that, and the chin, you know, might be gone, so... His chin could be gone in this fight, we don't know, but, you know, I think he's taken enough time off now for maybe to have recovered a little bit. So I think, you know, if that holds up, I think this is a 50-50 fight, to be honest. Um, I think the best Jose Aldo and the best Frank Edgar, I think Jose Aldo wins every day, but I'm not sure if we're going to get the best Jose Aldo against the best Frank Edgar. And if we even get 90% of Jose Aldo against the best Frank Edgar, I think Frank Edgar wins that fight. So that's how close it is. Um... Personally, I, I think Aldo will rebound. I think, you know, I think he'll have, you know, a fire lit under him now to come back. He wants that McGregor fight again. He wants that big money fight. If he can at all get it, then why just said, but you know, with all this going on, that the winner of Aldo and Edgar will be fighting McGregor next. So Aldo will want that fight again. Um, but, you know, it's a tough one. I, I definitely side with Aldo a little, a little bit more than, than Edgar because I think Aldo's takedown defense is so good that if Frank Edgar can't take him down, it's going to be very difficult for Frank Edgar to win um, a striking match with, with Jose Aldo. Even though he is very good at striking as well, Jose Aldo is just uh, on a kind of on another level. He's my toy, and uh, and he's boxing are very very good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's close fight. Definitely, I'm looking forward to. Well, we started with uh, McGregor, so we'll finish with McGregor. Let's say he doesn't fight in UFC 200, and that can't be sorted out. Where does he go from here, Sean? Does he fight the winner of the Jose Aldo Frank Yeager fight at featherweight? Is that is that a fight you see happening after? It, it probably is. It is more more likely, but you know, there's there's the issue of the weight as well that we kind of see it forgetting. You know, these they kind of get caught up in names rather than you know actual weight class and stuff like that. Very tough for Conor McGregor to make 145 pounds. He showed that in his last few fights, and uh, you know there was kind of the thought after he's fighting with uh, Aldo that that'd be his last fight at 145. So after he lost to Diaz, the kind of 155 was kind of closed down because uh, as I mentioned earlier, he was supposed to fight the Sanyos, and you know one thing led to another in the last game, so it was difficult. So you know with the interim title up for grabs at UFC 200, you know, Conor McGregor probably want to get back in there, I think himself, and you know. Get his name is the only name on that belt, and maybe then move to 155 pounds. But you'd never know. There, you know, as, a, as we look, we talked about a few minutes ago that McGregor got to uh, uh, Portugal and Iceland to make 170 pounds to you know change his body. That's not easy to get back from again to get down to 145 pounds. You know, so that, that's another issue. So you know. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about it quickly, maybe you'd say, okay, Edgar and Aldo at 45, but might not be, you know, it could be 155 pounds. He could give up, you know, he could, could give up his belt to, to do that. There's a lot of fights there at 155 pounds for him. Maybe even Nate Diaz again, if Diaz has said he doesn't want to fight anyone else at UFC 200, maybe Diaz, maybe it's Diaz at Walter Mayweather, you know, you'd never know. But um, if I had the best, 
I'd probably say he probably probably say Aldo against uh, I'd say Aldo or Edgar would be Bookgrader's next fight, but I wouldn't say with any certainty. Sean, brilliant insight into the world of MMA and Conor McGregor. Thanks so much for joining us here on Benchwarmers. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. So that's about it for the, um, the Bench Warmers podcast this week. Um, you can catch us on at BE Warmers across everything, yeah? yeah? At BE Warmers on Twitter, Instagram, and also over just Facebook. Uh, Bench Warmers on Facebook, so yeah. We'll have, we'll have an idea or something after this. Just take that information, then we know. <laughs> Ron, thanks very much. Good job. No problem, man. See you next week. Cheers. You're listening to the Bench Warmers podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more sports and banter. Bench Warmers, get closer to the action.